Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. All right, greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. So thank you for that. Uh, you can find out what's going on on the show today here in the next 10 seconds. In fact, I might just tell you right now. Uh, we will be dis- discussing the new addition here to our Blaze Media Enclave with Oron McIntyre, who apparently a lot of you think is actually Aaron McIntyre or some burner account of Aaron McIntyre's. It is not, even though he's been on this show, but Oron McIntyre is his own individual person. And he is coming on board here with us uh, on Blaze Media. We're very excited about that. I think he is one of the most prescient social commentators out there in America right now. We'll talk to him here at the bottom of the hour. Theology Thursday, we will get a look at the evils of politics and money from a theological perspective next hour. We'll play our weekly game of three non-political questions as well. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Getting Fleeced. WNBA star Brittany Griner has been freed and is heading home to the country she hates. Griner had been imprisoned in Russia for smuggling hashish oil. The Biden administration brokered a trade for Griner, giving Russia back the prolific international arms dealer Victor Bout. Bout's nickname is the Merchant of Death and has supplied weapons to numerous terrorist insurgencies all over the globe. But hey, at least we got an American hating WNBA player in return, so that's cool. In other news, Ron DeSantis expanded on why his state will pursue accountability for jab manufacturers. Because they said there was no side effects, and we know that there have been a lot, and so we did a study in Florida, and you saw an 86% increase in cardiac-related activity uh, from people 18 to 39 from mRNA shots. And so we're going to be doing some stuff uh, to bring accountability there. Senator Ron Johnson held another hearing on adverse events from the jabs. And it'll start with uh, Ms. Liz Wilner, who is a professional web developer with over 25 years of experience in the field. She is the designer creator of Openveyors. Liz is also a mother of a vaccine-injured child, which was the catalyst that led her to research the vaccine adverse event reporting system, Veyers. She found the federal database antiquated and cumbersome, to say the least. So she built the Open Veyers website to make the Veyers data more accessible. So Liz, take it away. Thank you, Senator. Um, Veyers, the vaccine adverse event reporting system, was designed to be an early warning system. It is doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing, but nobody's listening. Um, this chart shows before and after the introduction of the COVID vaccine for the U.S. Um, These are severe adverse events, uh, reports of death, hospitalizations, permanent disability, and life-threatening events. Um, Per year, reports of death, 163. There's been a 4,800% increase in the last two years. For hospitalization, a 2,876% increase. For permanent disabilities, a 2,150% increase. And for life-threatening events, a 2,108% increase. Checking in on the UK. Uh, There have been more reported deaths and adverse reactions uh, following mRNA vaccination in 18 months. 
than there has been to every uh, conventional vaccine administered worldwide for the last 50 years. And given that mRNA vaccines are not recommended for pregnant women or those who are breastfeeding, would my right honourable friend overturn the big pharma-funded MHRA's recent recommendation that these uh, experimental vaccines are administered to children as, as young as six months of age? Uh, well, well, Mr. Speaker, let me first say that I believe COVID vaccines are indeed safe and effective. Henry Anderson of the Carolina Panthers says he was placed on the injured reserve because of a stroke he suffered. Anthony Fauci is still totally butthurt about Rand Paul. Do you have any regrets about the way that you handled that? Um, I think 99.9% of the time I have been my usual self, which is very calm and measured. The only time I really got upset was when Senator Paul totally inappropriately on national TV that was following that hearing accused me of being responsible for the death of five million people. The CDC is sounding the alarm on a trend they helped cause. A new survey found 45% of high school students in 2021 said they were persistently sad or hopeless. And one in five seriously considered suicide with nearly 10% attempting suicide. Here's a dude on TikTok. Day 271 of being a girl, or I'll say woman for this one, because this video is for the women on Twitter who just really don't like me. Hello, ladies. We got a lot to cover, but let's first talk tampons. I haven't talked about tampons on here lately because I don't use them. I'm a woman who doesn't have a uterus. I know this. And science was my strongest subject in high school. And finally, a pro-baby killing activist sat down with The Daily Wire's Michael Knowles. Here's how that went. Michael, do you know what the leading cause of death for pregnant people is? Pregnant people? Mm-hmm. Mothers? Women? If you'd like to call them mothers, not all of them are mothers, but if you'd like to call them that. What are they if they're not mothers? They're pregnant people. What, what people other than mothers are pregnant? Does it bother you to use inclusive language? Well, it's I, just interesting. I, I prefer to use precise language. It's interesting because <laughs> you come into this conversation, you know, trying to hold this moral superiority. But then when I, I no, when I, I, I try use, to be moral when I can, but I right. But when I use inclusive language, which it only takes a couple extra syllables to use inclusive language, to include and, and who? it seems to include people who don't, you know, identify as women but can become pregnant. So, like a person who's born a woman, and then identifies as a man mm -hmm. and is pregnant. Yeah. So you're telling me that in order to be a moral person, I need to accept the idea that a man, someone who is born a man and looks like a man, can really become a woman. That's, that's a, a prerequisite of my being a moral person. I mean, yes. To, to me, it is. Because if you are trying to deny someone of their identity and deny what their life experience is, then that doesn't seem like a moral stance to me. I want to be accepting and I want to respect people's life experiences and respect the way that they want to identify and respect the way that they want to present themselves to the world. Bronte, I would yes. like to identify, I do identify actually, mm -hmm. as the correct person on this issue of abortion. Okay. I identify as being correct and more correct than you on this issue. And I would just ask that you accept and affirm my uh, identity. Do you? Well, you are not a medical professional and abortion and pregnancy no, is a medical concern. Identity. That's not your identity. That is my, I promise you that's my identity. <laughs> and that's what happened while we were away. That is absolutely fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. 
Aaron's montage is brought to you by our friends over at Keeps. Uh, hair loss can be tough, fellas. You see it in your pictures. The barber starts pointing it out. You find yourself constantly wearing baseball caps. So what are you going to do about it? Well, if your plan is to just buzz cut, don't shave it, uh, save it with our friends over at Keeps. They've got the clinically proven hair loss treatments available online for you. So whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of the hair that you already have, your Keeps medical provider will help you do that with the right products and develop a personalized hair-saving routine that works just for you. And no waiting rooms or pharmacy visits delivered straight to your door at half the cost of a traditional pharmacy. So if you're ready to take action, join thousands of guys who have saved their hair with Keeps. Visit keeps.com slash grow and get 50% off your first order. K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. Again, go to keeps.com slash grow. In today's overtime, we will be discussing the results of a snap Twitter poll that I am conducting right now on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you want to hop on there and vote, you may for the next 53 minutes. We asked you, do you currently identify as a Republican? Over 5,000 people have voted in this, in this poll just since this morning. We will discuss the results and what we think they may or may not mean coming up later today in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. Again, that is blazetv.com slash dace. And that's where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber if you are not yet one. And can I throw in one more mention here while I have a moment, if you don't mind. If you are looking for some Blaze swag, uh, if you've got somebody maybe that's a huge fan, maybe you are, uh, or you think that the they they might need some help in the logic department and you want to introduce them to us as an outlet towards that end, go to shop.blazemedia.com. You get all this stuff like I'm wearing this hoodie today, right? The Blaze swag you see us wearing, the Baby Lives Matter shirts you see Aaron wearing, for example. All of that stuff and more not just for my show, but all of our shows, available right now at shop.blazemedia.com. And if you use the code DACE20, you'll get 20% off your order. Code DACE20, 20% off your order, when you go to shop.blazemedia.com. All right, let's get to what is in the montage, shall we? And I... (laughs) We are supposedly in an existential, important war for the future of Western civilization on a proxy level with Russia, correct? Correct. Correct. Um, The sovereignty of Ukraine, the perpetuation of Vladimir Zelensky... Person of the year. This is important. Person of the year, indeed. I mean, it is. um, Folks, some of you had to take the masks and pronouns out of your bios this year on social media and replace them with the Ukraine flag. I mean, you had to make some extra virtue signaling steps there. That's how important this matter is to worldwide dominion. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Safety and effectiveness. Um, And so, in the midst and heights of said very serious and very important conflict, I mean, very serious. We're very serious about this. It is very important. And it's very important 
because it's very serious. And we're going to be very serious about this because we are very important. I'm sorry. Uh, the matter is very important. Um, and, you know, we have to be serious because of its importance, which is the reason for its seriousness. Correct? Got it. Nailed that's, it. That, that's pretty much been uh, Airtight. The, the, the narrative since about February, yes. right? Okay. All right. So in the midst of this, we are so serious about this very important matter that we are returning to Russia someone whose nickname is, quote, Merchant of Death because of the amount of arms he has traded that has been responsible for killing who knows how many people. And we are committing this action so that a woke athlete, 99% of you, couldn't pick out of a police lineup, is returned home to be subjected to what she herself describes as the terror and torment of America's national anthem again. Is that the correct chain of events here? You have correctly identified the blessings of liberty herein. Indeed. Meanwhile, we left an actual American, a Marine. We left him behind. Now, I understand that's not shocking to leave Americans behind for the Biden White House. But we left an actual American, a Marine. We left him behind because apparently... He hasn't figured out that he needed to make it known that while being imprisoned in Russia, he realized, of course, that he had suppressed his sexuality all this time. He's more now than just gay for the stay. He's a stay gay. He's not just gay for the stay, as they say in prison. He's a stay gay. He's a stay gay now. He's a stay gay. If he had proclaimed this, maybe we would have given the Russians back a known terrorist. This isn't serious. None of this is serious. The only thing that is serious is that the demonic forces running this country are serious about destroying it and clowning us on the way to that end. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Um, we have, how many billions of dollars of weapons have we sent to Ukraine? It's got to be in the 60, 70 billion dollars, weapons and aid. We have like uh, weekly audits on where all those weapons are, right? <laughs> Because you're, ser you're serious. Because we would send back a, a weapons international weapons dealer with with our stuff just kind of floating around without knowing where it was and keeping tabs on it. Right. Right. Like, like right. We, like we wouldn't hand the Taliban billions of dollars and left behind American military swag. And we you wouldn't mean, arm cartels. Something either, like right? that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Nothing to see here. If. Putin, I don't know if he's got a snark advisor, but if he really wanted to play this up, he would say, listen, this guy is a terrible guy, and I just wanted to show 
what Biden was willing to do. <sighs> Meaning what? Just bit Putin's. I, I, I don't follow. Don't, Help don't, me follow what you don't what even you be. Don't even be coy about it. Don't don't. This this isn't a good guy. Putin should show the if he if he's trying to show the West for what it really is, and I think that's part of what he's doing with Ukraine. Trump, this is the, the West just gave us back a terrible person in trade for what? What did what did it accomplish? Say it out loud. That's what you're saying. He should say it too because his goal is pointing out. The absurdity, the not seriousness of all this on some level. See, I, I think Vladimir Putin needs to be serious about his own security detail in the next 12 months, which is a preview of my upcoming predictions. Because this has not gone well by any stretch. I don't have to read communiques by MSNBC or anything else. If we had sat here in February and I had told you that we would go into Christmas break and he would not have this operation completed by now, would you have believed it? Probably not. Probably not. This has not gone according to plan. And <laughs> imagine if you're Putin losing a war to these people. What's that, what's that do to your standing in your own country? Well, we talked about it at the time. He doesn't win this. He's toast. He's, getting, he's not getting any old, any younger. People already know he's not a 10-year, there's not 20 years on his body clock of, of tyranny that they've got a long-term fear of him. If I was Vladimir Putin, I'd be checking my own security detail more so than trying to troll the United States. I mean, I'd, 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 be, I'd be watching my back. I'd be I'm not talking about... I'd be wondering, I'd be wondering who's testing my, tasting my food in the I'm not talking about trolling anybody, but it does, cr it, it does cr need a certain level of thinking to point out the absurdity... Of the United States. Oh, I totally this. agree with that. I mean, that's that was the that was the centrality of my own point. I mean, but, the, terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people. Terrible. Yes, that's all, that's all that this is, and 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 the fact that you can't win a war if you're Vladimir Putin, you can't you can't decisively win a war against people that will trade you arms dealers. For WNBA yeah, basketball see, players, this is what I'm saying. What, this is that. That's why my response is: if I was Vladimir Putin, I might be want to check my own alliances and allegiances. I might be that's wondering true, Vladimir, you know, who's, all, who's coming up behind me at night. He's not just fighting Ukraine. We all know that by now. This isn't just Vladimir, which is why he got into this on some level. I. This is it's it's more absurd than even you let on. This is. What is behind all of this? Again, the anointing of the actor. This is all tail wags the dog. All of it. So when you, as an anti-vaxxer, see Ron DeSantis say what he just said in that video, your reaction is what? Well, Ron DeSantis, by the way, right now, if you look at what's called a Q rating, which is a measure of name ID and favorables, is the most popular national elected 
or a national political figure in elected office in America right now. And and in that video, I mean, there's breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what this. I don't even know what this is. Okay, I mean this. This is this isn't shattering Overton windows. I mean, this is. This is reestablishing habitats and ecosystems, stepping on this issue, and he's gonna, and and apparently, despite all the political capital and everything he's built up, that's exactly what he says he is going to do. When you see this, your reaction is what? As I told you yesterday, I it's I believe him because he does the thing. Uh, but the fact that that clip is in conjunction with what Ron Johnson is doing in Congress, this is really important because you can you can isolate and people will increase. The more uh, he's a front runner mm-hmm. for pre- candidate for president of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, he he will be surrounded and he'll be surrounded by people within his own uh, party, uh, even if he uh, goes after the wrong thing. We, we, we've seen that before. Yes, Fox News is on him now, but we have no idea what the staying power of all this is him. Once, once, when and if Trump is out of the way, he's going to need to have Ron Johnson and others and all of those experts there somehow totally reestablishing the degree to which this conversation is unavoidable in the public. That actually needs to change first before we hit pay dirt because that's what you're trying to do with your book it's your, your book is a is a level of you shock mean, you mean rise of the fourth right? yes the, it's the a level it yeah. provides a level of shock and will it but is it enough as i said yesterday is it enough to change the conversation that everybody all the powers that be simply don't want to have refuse to have how would they refuse it how, they, they refuse look at how they use anything the they, the press doesn't just simply will not talk about the things they don't want to talk about the medical community doesn't want to talk about the things they don't want to talk about i agree about. with that i agree with that but we've never seen someone do what he his, is saying he is going to do he is going to use arguably the second most powerful political platform in america behind only the white houses He is going to use it as a launching pad to discuss this. At the same time, he will be running for president. He will be running for president of the United States, and he will be doing so really as the as the polling front runner, as the recognized front runner. I mean, we got him beating Trump and he's he's starting to beat him in the national polls now. I mean, how do you I'm asking because this is not this is a dynamic we have not seen. I mean, and, and this is going to come across as snarky, and I don't mean it to. I'm, 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 I'm just asking. Like, are, are we going to see, like, Ron DeSantis does a live press conference on the campaign trail, and the minute he gets asked about the COVID vaccine investigation, they just cut away? Yes. You think, we'll, you think it'll get to that level? You think it, that, that level Thanks. of obviousness? They haven't talked. Look at Twitter. Look at just the news cycle of the last couple of weeks. They simply will not talk. Look at groomers in the schools. I agree with all that, but we've also never seen someone with a platform of this magnitude take this stuff on. We just have never seen anything like this. I'm going to go to the same place. I think you're overestimating whatever power you think. He's he's amazing. He's awesome. 
It's not but power. Sis, it's not about him. It's right, about the potency the word, of the platform that he brings to the table. What is that? And it wouldn't matter if the name was Ron DeSantis or Aaron McIntyre or watching the Big Ten Network, Dave Revson. Front runner for a major party's nomination for president, governor of the most politically important state of the union. Okay, um, to, to 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 combine the potency of those two brands into a platform in order to amplify this issue, how is is something that the sort of forces that you are talking about have never faced anything like this before? With one exception, I can think of it's it's they did this for years on immigration, and Trump took a crowbar to the Overton window on that issue and brought it way into the mainstream uh, beyond the fringe of conservative media or activists like myself or a Daniel Horowitz. And he got impeached twice and they stole the election and they ran him out of office. He got elected at the same time. But yeah, I hear you. That's true too. Yeah. I just, so are you, so, so, Politically, then, do you think this is a stupid move for for the Sanders? No, he doesn't need to tackle it. So you're, you're really saying he'll get no benefit from it? No, I'm not saying that either. I just okay. don't think there's anything remotely inevitable about his success on that front. The number of forces allied against him failing uh, are demonic. I do, I'm just not going to underestimate that. We saw what happened with the red wave that didn't happen. We should well, not. It, it did happen someplace. Where did it happen? In Florida. In Florida. That's And where's this going to happen? But this in is Florida. not... The, that's the vote of the people of Florida. He's going to need a lot more than that to make this happen. What do you think here? I think... I think right now, DeSantis, with these, uh, with these uh, upcoming actions or potential actions, is being far more bold... Than about 65 to 75 percent of conservative media incorporated. That is a problem. Now, I have not seen evidence so far of DeSantis when he starts something not following through. However, it becomes more difficult if you don't have your own media behind you on this. Because I, I think most of that 65 to 75% of conservative media, that's not really, this is not really a top of mind issue. Most of them would be like Joni Ernst in the marriage vote. Guys, we just need to move on. This is crazy anti-vax yep. stuff. That's going to be their reaction. And that's a problem. And I don't see how that goes away anytime soon unless you have a singular figure who's just committed to this issue singularly and forces it down everyone's throat not just uh, not just right and left throat everyone including those in in conservative media who would rather not talk about this just remember here this is pre most people that we know of most people have not been injured that we know of that's the case before that's true but most people know someone who has been injured See, more and than they know someone who's been infected yeah, with, and with those seriously. vares numbers that were that were laid out there that's kind of the key thing is there enough? Are there enough people though that are willing to even connect right. those injuries to the jab? The psychology. Most Correct. people think this saved them. Still, that's a pro- to get past that to get people to be willing. To- if you guys are right, this is then. I mean, this is a very politically risky move on his part. If you guys are correct, you understand that. Yep. Like he. That's like what he, I'm saying. Like he should not do it. No. Politically, he should not no, do he it. Should do no, it politically, there is no value we in this. We just talked would, yesterday. It's not only, about politics. Well, it's the, about the right thing. I, I, you didn't let me finish. Politically, there is no value in this based on what you're saying. 
No. Morally, it's, it's a different issue. But politically, there is nothing to be gained by this, if you're correct. Now, I'm not entirely convinced you guys are correct. But if you are, then politically, this is a loss leader. This is a point of diminishing returns. No. Politically... I want politics to be far more about doing the right thing than it is right now. Joni Ernst. That's not what I'm saying. But in this climate, there's no sure path to victory. There's too many forces allied against the truth, against reality itself. It doesn't mean you don't do anything, but of course, you're running into does a the, burning do, building. Does the manner in which, quote unquote, going after these people, does the manner in which that would be done matter? Like if it were, say, um, tribunals, grand jury investigations, things of legal consequence that, that, that it takes it, it take, he's not like overseeing it directly, but these are things that are being conducted through a legal means. People are being subpoenaed. They're being called under yes. oath. They will testify, right? Does that, does that change your calculus at all? Well, I, th I think you should do those things. It makes the stakes as high as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, this should be all in. See, I, I, and, and maybe this is where I'm not as long-term committed on this as an issue as you are. And so I'm not used to being, you know, on a perpetual fringe, even amongst my own peer group on this issue as you are. And so uh, that could mean that you're seeing it more clearly than me. It could mean that you're more scarred than me. I, d I don't know. <laughs> but to me, I, I think the timing is actually ripe for this. Perfect for this. And the stuff like, like what's so in the montage, it's getting questioned in the British Parliament, right? I mean, I, I think the timing politically for this so is do perfect. I. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, and I was very proud to partner up with the folks over at Preborn this year uh, because they 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 do comprehensive, outstanding pro-life activism, and and they were ready and already doing the kinds of ministry it was going to take post Roe v. Wade in a in a current Roe v. Wade world. They were already realizing that this is really, a, 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 it's hand-to-hand a, it's -hand combat. Mother-to-mother, baby-to-baby. They, they, they literally went to the streets to find uh, crisis pregnancies like my mom had when she was 14 years old, pregnant with me. Show the moms the sonogram, the ultrasound. Let them know, hey, uh, there's, a, there's a human being in there. And about 80% of the time when they have done that, the mom realizes it and gives the baby life. But then they also understand that you got to love them both. And so uh, they have provided uh, the, the necessary maternity assistance, whether that is clothes, food, even counseling. And they do it all for free. And they, they get to do it, though, because of donations from people like us. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies. All right? So if you want to help save 50,000 Blaze babies, that's our goal. To say 50,000 Blaze Babies, just dial pound 250-0-250, pound 250 right now. Say the keyword baby on your device. Or uh, you can go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, that's preborn.com slash Steve. We're rejoined by our brand new edition here 
at Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, Oran McIntyre, who is not Aaron McIntyre and is not Aaron McIntyre's burner account, even though many people in our audience believe this. He is, as you can now see again, because he's been on our show before, he is his own unique individual person. It is good to have you back with us, Oran. Oran, how are you? Doing well. Thank you, Steve. So first of all, congrats on coming on board. I think it was a very smart addition to our stable, and I, I let the powers that be know that. Kind of give us your background again and, and why you decided to make this move. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's it's really great, and I'm so happy to be part of the blaze here now. It's uh, been pretty crazy. I started a YouTube channel just a few years ago, kind of uh, when the COVID stuff really hit, because I thought that the government wasn't really working the way that I thought it was supposed to. I didn't understand why the things that were happening around me were happening. And so I started you know, talking about it, researching it. I wanted to share that with people as I was kind of going through that journey. And as things have gone along, more and more people have been interested in what I've been talking about. And you know, this opportunity opened up, so very exciting. What exactly are you gonna be doing for us? Uh, a couple different things. I'll be writing over at the blaze.com regularly. You'll see opinion pieces over there. I'll also continue to be putting out stuff on my YouTube channel, and that'll also turn into a podcast for the blaze as well. Well, good. Um, I've, I told you last time we had you on, I, I have retweeted uh, several of your things. I think you have a very smart, salient take on things. Um, we we kind of have our own euphemism to describe the uh, the entity, I guess we'll call it, that we are up against. Uh, we call it the spirit of the age. But you coined the phrase the total state. What do you mean by that? Well, I think it's really hard for people when we're looking at our type of society to see kind of the creeping totalitarianism. You know, we'll see it here and there, but there's no gulags. There's no one being taken away, or at least not in mass, that kind of thing. You don't have the jackbooted thugs. And so it can be kind of difficult for people to understand why their speech is being curtailed, why their rights are being taken from them, why different liberties that they thought were obvious and big parts of our society, why they're going away. And so I talk about the total state and kind of how this, uh, you know, is slowly creeping through our, through our society society and why that's happening. I've kind of viewed your take on this as a, a derivative of the G.K. Chesterton line that we have quoted on the show frequently. When the government removes God, the government becomes the God. Is that essentially what you are describing with the term the total state? It's a it's a big part of it, right? We assume that there's a certain kind of moral fabric that underlies our society. The truth is that no society is truly secular. Every government, every agency, every corporation, every group of people is going to have a value system. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the Christian value system, it's going to be something else. And so, yes, a big part of the total state is that moral system that has replaced what used to be the shared Christian fabric of our nation. I am fond of saying and have said for years that every government in the history of humanity has been a theocracy. It's just a matter of who the theo is. Now, I understand like what you see in the Old Testament, for example, in the history of the Jewish people. There you have a direct theocracy, a direct one. God is not indirectly through vessels or vehicles or subtleties in and amidst human freedom, but directly putting his thumb on the scale and governing a nation. So I think when people think theocracy, that's the image that they have or the sort of fatalism that you see in the Quran and inherent to Islam. When theocracy, what we really mean is that ultimately the power has to come to power to rule another human being. 
must come from somewhere. And so every government has declared themselves either an agent of that ultimate power, anointed by that ultimate power, right? The divine rights of kings, um, adjacent to that ultimate power. You see in the Old Testament, uh, lots of kings refer to themselves as Baal and then a name that means Lord, right? Or the or is themselves that power, Nero, Caligula, Roman post-Caesar, uh, post-triumvirate Roman uh, rulers that declared themselves to be gods. Uh, we see that even with some despots, even in modern times, for example. And that really the founding of this country kind of cracked that code by saying the government is not God. Rights go to individuals from God. And government has to recognize, therefore, that it has a more limited uh, power within that jurisdictional limit. What's your view of that? Well, I think what you're hitting at is something that the political theorist Gaetano Mosca called a political formula. And he said that all ruling elites, and, and make no mistake, we are always ruled by elites. No matter what kind of system of government you think you have, there are always people who are in charge and making final decisions. But those people always have to have what he called a political formula, which is a reason for you know a, a uh, ideology behind why they should rule and why people should obey them. And I think that's what you're hitting on there, that people always, whether it's the Roman emperors deifying themselves or kings being the agent of God through divine right of kings or you know anything else, there's always something that grants the people in charge a, a uh, an ideology that legitimates their rule. And I think in the United States, ours was popular sovereignty, right? The people mm -hmm. will, will grant that power to the state and these people will rule in their name. But as our government has gotten better, better, and our media has worked with them to create and manipulate information, they become better and better at controlling that popular sovereignty. And so now that political formula is kind of straining because we can regularly see the ways in which our government and media attempt to manipulate the will of the people to bring about the type of popular sovereignty results that they'd like to see. You tweeted something yesterday I want you to, to, to explain to us, and I found it fascinating. You said, quote, you are at the natural conclusion of an old revolution, not the beginning of a new one. Quantify for us what you mean by that. Well, it's true in a couple different ways, right? What happens is a lot of people look at the wokeness that, if you remember, started on college campuses, right? And so many people said, oh, you know, after a few years, this is going to flame out. These people will grow up. Well, isn't wokeness just a, just, just, a, just a rehashed political correctness from the 90s and 2000s? Isn't that just the, the political correctness 2.0, essentially? In many ways, it's it's a natural acceleration of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like this, this is the fur, the thir, the furtherance of a ideology that has been working its way through the United States since at least the 60s, probably earlier than that. And it's only coming to kind of its natural conclusion. So the big problem for many conservatives or even kind of moderate leftists is they want to treat what's happening right now as something new, something different, some extreme portion that yeah we'd never seen before but this isn't a new revolution this is a continuation of something that's been happening for a long time that long march of the institutions is coming to its end it's not just starting now and so the average person right now that is listening to this or watching us on blaze tv they're frustrated they feel as if i don't even know that my vote will count if i vote and then if they do count 
my vote. I don't even know that the person I vote for will make that vote count once they get into office. I have no agency. I'm not represented. Um, you know, uh, can we start a third party? Is there time to take over the Republican Party, which conservatives have threatened to do since January of 89 when Reagan left the national stage? OK, I mean, that's but that's a lot of the people you're going to be writing for and talking to here at the blaze that's where that's the frustration that a lot of uh your upcoming peer group here has the statement here that you're at the natural conclusion of an old revolution not the beginning of a new one how does that speak to the way they feel right now well i think it lets them know you know that they're not crazy that the the fact that never nothing seems to change no matter who they support no matter what efforts they make it lets them know that they're you know they're not just making that up they're not just seeing things that this is a reality there is a certain level of capture to the system and for a lot of people that can initially be depressing right that could be something that they see as a negative but i think it's a positive for people to realize that to understand the reality of where they're at, because that's the point at which they can now make more informed decisions on what to do next. So can you capture big chunks of the GOP apparatus? Well, there are certain cases in which you can. There are some insurgent forces. We saw that with kind of the wave that brought Donald Trump in. However you feel about what Donald Trump did with that energy, the movement behind him was real, right? Mm -hmm. But we see things like the Tea Party and get captured over and over again. So there are moments where those things can break through at the national level. But I think what we can see where the encouraging things that, you know, we can, where we can make a big difference and actually see victory can be at more local levels where we can make bigger changes. You can protect your area by electing or running for things like sheriff and school board. You can strengthen institutions like your local church. You can make sure that you're creating a scenario where your people, the people around you are protected and you can focus on that. And then once you have stronger bases, you look at something like, like what's happening in Florida with Ron DeSantis, where he's able to create power bases outside in many ways of the normal machine. That localism, that focus on creating political power outside of these large national avenues and hoping that one big national election will save you, focusing instead on how you can improve and protect your state, your locality, your family from this stuff, I think that is the big mentality switch that people need to look at we went through this whole silent majority and you know i don't know how old you are i'm 49 uh, when i came into this you know and i grew up you know consuming this content and then came into it professionally the paradigm was we're the silent majority we save america by voting republican every two four or six years depending on the office and get our marching orders from rush god rest his soul and fox news all day long um and i i think in this last election where we had unprecedented discontentment and yet not a single incumbent U.S. senator lost re-election, Iran, for the first time in the history of direct election of U.S. senators in this country. If, there, if, if That is shouting to me, and I said this to our audience yesterday, we dramatically need to reassess our approach here. That we, we are, There is no silent majority. There is just people like us who are about to be silenced. That we need to actually start building a counterculture. We are the hippies now. We're the radicals now. We're the revolutionaries now. And we've got to look at this a lot more broadly than, you know, who's the best candidate to win the GOP primary to uh, ride in on a white horse and vote and, and save me by voting my way out of this. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think that's exactly right. That's why I'm not really a big fan of the term conservative. I usually don't call myself that, except in you know company where people, that's kind of the only term they have. Because I don't think we're in the position now of conserving. I think what you're saying is correct. It is an insurgency, right? It is in the in the cultural sense, right? It is people who are pushing back against what's happening, that what has become the majority. And I think that escaping this idea that simply having kind of the popular numbers or this, like you said, the silent majority that's going to emerge out of nowhere and vote ourselves in that one candidate that's going to turn the whole thing around. I think moving away from the mentality is extremely valuable because it creates really impotent action, right? And the stuff you're talking about, creating a capture uh, counterculture, building alternative institutions, mm-hmm. creating a way that canceled people can be hired and not lose their jobs if they speak out or have different opinions from the mainstream. I think those are key efforts that will change things in ways that getting a random person elected to Senate or Congress is just not going to. So when can we start following your work here at The Blaze and how would you uh, suggest our audience do that? Well, they're rolling out a couple different things right now. The podcast is up, so you can go ahead and subscribe to the Oren McIntyre show on any uh, kind of the major platforms. Also, my YouTube channel is, of course, there, the Twitter uh, and my articles will be coming up on theblaze.com as well. I think there's going to be more coming out. I'm going to be meeting up with some of the guys uh, this next week. So uh, stay tuned because there'll be more, I think, rolling out as, as we have that discussion. Oh, I'm, I'm really uh, I think it's really cool. You're on board. It's a great addition, man. So let it rip. No wasted ammo. All right. Congratulations. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care. Todd, I know when he said I don't identify myself as a conservative anymore, I, I think you probably would have shed a single tear when you heard him say that, right? Because that's, we, I know you and I have been talking, you've mentioned it on the show, you're wrestling with that right now. Well, and it's not because the ideals of conservative don't matter, conservatism don't matter, they matter more than ever before, but as a, as a term... That we need words, terms to carry through the emotion, the psychology. Well, it doesn't work anymore. It has utterly been hijacked by uh, the likes of uh, Mitch McConnell and just uh, other posers. And and it, we need it. people don't trust it anymore. They they just don't they don't see hope in it, and that's a problem. When I say we don't need to save this country, we need to defeat it. Does that kind of speak to what you're thinking? I mean, why, why, would, why would I try to conserve the institutions of this country in their current state, right? Yeah. I want to overturn them. I'm the revolutionary now. Before COVID even happened, I used to talk about that we need a second American revolution because this, this one is pretty close to over. And now I believe... It's it is expired. over. This it's is clearly not, expired. This yeah. is not America. How do you how do you conserve something that doesn't exist? I yeah. mean, we did, we described conservatism as being the conservation, the saving of principles, ideas that have proven themselves to work best for the human condition mm-hmm. uh, over the course of history, when largely those tenets don't exist in any meaningful institution in the United States. Yeah. How do you conserve something that doesn't exist? You cannot. And that's what Ron DeSantis is up against. That's a problem. As great as he is, he needs a lot of help. Yes, but I think the way that he has created his own economies of scale, his own independent means outside of the system of exercising uh, and advancing power recognizes that he shows that he recognizes what you just said. Now, whether he can, he can pull that off or assemble the kind of coalition necessary to pull that off on a national level, 
I think we'll probably find out here in the next couple yes. of years. But at the very least, he understands that in his current offices as governor and is governed accordingly. Yes. All right, we'll come back. Theology Thursday is next. Back here with hour two. Well, live and on live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Sorry about that. I even drank some water during the break. My bad. Uh, you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing us Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Gab, and you can also uh, find us at Steve Day Show on Getter and Twitter. And Instagram and TikTok, find us as well over on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, and get clips of the show free of any censorship, free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well. Those of you that are podcast listeners, we appreciate you. Please, if you wouldn't mind, uh, show your appreciation for us. Uh, Give us a five-star review if you like us. Uh, don't lie, but if you like us, please consider giving us a five-star review. You can also hit the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. You're a big reason why we're going to be doing this for the blaze for another three years and we cannot thank you enough. So thank you. This portion of the show brought to you by Tyga Coolers. If you're looking for a unique gift, particularly one for clients, corporate gifts, um, it's going to be spring someday again as we head into the season of desolation, at least here in this part of the country. Uh, check out our friends over at Tyga Coolers. They employ actual Americans, unlike a lot of the other coolers out there. They make their products, not China. Okay, uh, American made. They're priced less than other premium coolers out there as well. Plus, they come with a lifetime warranty. And this is where it gets into the corporate gifting idea. They can customize it for you. You want to put your logo on there uh, or you want to put a potential client, a prospect's logo on there or a client you'll hope will renew. Something that's kind of unique that they wouldn't think of doing themselves or didn't know they could do. That's something they can do for you right now over at Tyga Coolers. Big fans of the Blaze. So they have the same value system that you guys do as well. And it's always good when we can to support one of our own. So visit TaigaCoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A for TaigaCoolers.com. And again, use the promo code Steve for 10% off when you do. Promo code Steve for 10% off at TaigaCoolers.com. We are in the penultimate week of Theology Thursday and our final book study of this year. Thank God for Bitcoin, the creation, corruption, and redemption of money, where we are looking at how the spirit of the age is now infesting us on an economic level. This week, gentlemen, we are looking at chapter five, money and politics. This is one of those areas where it is such a target-rich environment. Where to even begin this conversation? So let me ask you guys, where do you think we should begin? Well, I guess at the top of my head, there's a feeling, at least in, in my heart after reading this, that the system understands that uh, the I am the Senate moment mm-hmm. is happening mm-hmm. for it currently because it's 
it's starting to defy some of its own rules of the fictional utopia that we were under because it lays out that most what most people don't understand is uh that all of this uh all of this debt all of this printing money it's ultimately stealing value from other people but they don't really understand it they don't get that they think that actually we're as uh, rich and prosperous as ever before and uh that's yet what we've seen that the, the democrats like overtly make things more difficult more challenging you will eat starting to get normalize us to uh no it's not all going to be uh cheaper tech for the rest of your life uh it's going to be you will eat the bugs they're starting to push us in that direction as if this system that he's talking about and lays out here is about to go because even they understand on some level it can't last forever and the whole point ultimately was to seduce us into subjugation so again just comparing what they say has been happening to us for a very long time versus the reality we're seeing now again it has an end game uh feel to us but the the level of seduction i guess one point i found really interesting is he when he talks about um uh how inflation versus deflation is going to work and how we've even been tricked into believing uh that uh we should be things should be getting less and less expensive in uh a lot of different ways because of mass production technology Mm -hmm. but it's that's actually happening less and less it's not totally gone uh but look i mean we're tricked like yes cell phones now more people can afford them than they were now but we we're constantly trading them in they're constantly upgrading uh, upgrading them so we're just we're trapped into the in this thing and we're not i mean we really aren't chapped but psychologically we feel we are and so we're seduced into this drifting into thinking we need things we don't need and now we're turning into the we joked about it yesterday steak versus bucks we're trading they had us at steak versus cheeses for a while now the option is going to be steak versus bugs lando carazzi and this deal gets worse all the time mm-hmm. so i again with each chapter of this i find it fascinating i mean like stream of consciousness mode because it it i've rarely experienced a book that is challenging as many of my like base kind of just accepted it as a 50 year old man Mm -hmm. as ever before and i did not expect that coming from this book you said something that i think gets reinforced in this line in the book monetary systems that allow for theft of the community are found among governments that lust for power Monetary systems that allow for theft of the community are found among governments that lust for power. So at the nascent stages of this, the idea that we had to create a central banking system through a Federal Reserve, that we had to go into progressive taxation, that we had to go into deficit spending uh, and the creation of a welfare state, those things were not ever 
couched or presented as coercive in nature, right? Mm -hmm. They were packaged as compassionate right. in nature. Right. Yeah. Except, and this is where the theology comes in. When you look at the different spheres of authority that God permits within the created order, all right? So the family is the first and, and, and really most uh, prime sphere of authority. It was the, it was, it's, it's the OG of, 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 gover of governing authorities within God's created order is the family. So it has certain jurisdictions. It has, it has certain duties that it is to perform. Um, and, and then you have the church. Right. So the church has certain duties and certain jurisdictions that it is to perform. One of those duties that the church is to perform is to be an act. It's to be an agent of what? Compassion. Yes. To be an agent of mercy. We love because he first loved us. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, we show grace and mercy to others as grace and mercy were shown to us. Right. And so that was specifically within, within, within the created order. That was specifically within the purview of the church. Yes. Okay. In Romans 13, Paul lays out what is now the, 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 within the created order. What is the jurisdiction and authority of government? What is its role on earth? What is it to do? He's already told you what the goal and role of the church is. He describes and had, and, and calls for and collects uh, on behalf of um, efforts at mercy and compassion all throughout the New Testament, mm -hmm. right? And so now he's going to specifically address the role of government in Romans 13. And he's going to do it with, uh, as a basis or as a takeoff that is based upon Christ's statement when he was questioned by trolls that were trying to corner him on taxation and that there was the mark of the emperor upon the coin. And this is the famous phrase, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, render under God that which is God's. Meaning each of these authorities have jurisdictions. God allows your Caesar to have some governing authority. And Paul repeats this by saying there is no authority permitted on earth except that which has been ordained or allowed by God. Okay. But that just because that has happened does not mean that the authority of, of, of that which was ordained is limitless. And so Jesus says, then render under God to render to God that which is God's. Caesar is just asking you to pay taxes for roads. That is within his jurisdiction. If Caesar says, you must bow to the image on this coin and worship it as God, is that within Caesar's jurisdiction? No. No. So you do not render that unto Caesar because that worship, that level of devotion belongs only to God alone. And Paul says this as well in Romans 13, give honor to those who have, who are owed honor taxes to those who are due taxes. Um, but, and, and, but don't give honor to those that are not due honor. I mean, if, if Paul meant that you gave the state whatever it wanted, then Nero would never have cut his head off, correct? And Paul must have mm -hmm. at some point uh, denied Caesar, Nero, a level of jurisdiction and authority that he, that he called for. And that's why he was beheaded in Rome. And so this is a fleshing out of this. And in Romans 13, Paul says and that the role of government, and by the way, you see this in the Old Testament, all right. Even in a direct theocracy, there is a priestly order, the Levite order. They were they they not only handled ecclesiastical matters, but that was the agent of mercy 
and compassion. If you thought you had been wrongly accused or what have you, you were to flee where? Okay. You were to flee to the priest. You were to flee to the tabernacle, right? And Mm -hmm. essentially throw yourself upon the mercy of the priesthood. Okay. This is reiterated now in the New Testament that the role of government, Paul says, is to be an avenging angel that punishes evildoers. That's what it is to be. Is it an age? Is that, is that a mission of mercy? No, it is a mission of justice. The state is an administer of justice. Now we would argue holistically that by exercising and prosecuting justice, you are practicing uh, a form of compassion. But when we established a welfare state and a central banking system and took ourselves off of the gold standard, was that the kind of justice and compassion that we were clamoring, uh, we were claiming and branding when we made those moves? No, it was the state was now going to do the handouts. The, the state was going to feed the people. The state was now going to be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. The state would now do those things. These were proto versions of statism. You're describing the book I've mentioned many times on the show, The Tragedy of American Compassion and that trade that happened. Correct. And even if those generations didn't understand the Faustian bargain they were making, see, I would argue that they did because they were without excuse. They lived in an era where the church was still an active, integral part of a community, and it was known for doing these things. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they, when, when we made these choices in the early 20th century, the church still held a, piece, a place of primacy within the local community, primarily because of these acts of mercy and compassion that we're talking about. See, I think they knew all, I think those that pushed this knew all along what they were doing. And it was always to get us to this point that we are at right now, that ultimately, if, if, if the state is where I go for deliverance, then the state is where I go as well to be, to be inculcated right and wrong. And now you're seeing the next phase of this. So the state replaced the church. The state took over the spear that belonged to the church. Now you're going to t- see the state take over the spear that belonged to the family, like the marriage vote that happened in the House today and happened in the Senate last week. The state will now determine what is a family, what gets done with a family, what gets taught within the family. This is where we go back to the conversation we had with our new colleague, Aron McIntyre, last hour. We are in total state mode now. It is the state in whom we live and breathe. Not our creator. It is the state. So what's, what is, what is, when the state now determines your economic station, the state determines what, whether your business is even necessary or not. Uh, the state determines whether your church is open or not, uh, will then take over the duties and customs of the church. And then the state will take over your family, redefine it for you. And then, uh, and then essentially play, pick winners and losers among what's a family and what is not. What is next now? is that the state is an object of worship. That is the absolute next step. And that is the step that we are embarking upon now. So let me take you back to this statement. Where did it, be, where did it begin? It began with control over your money. Because monetary systems that allow for theft of the community are found among governments that lust for power. Thoughts. Just, just remember, last last week I said the dollar today has what was it? 
like six percent of the buying power that the dollar did mm-hmm. back in nineteen seventeen. Is that the date? Mm-hmm. If people would have no frame of reference for that today, remember this. Forget COVID and just before COVID. No, we're the most prosperous we've ever been. People would think that that was insane. And that's the trick they pulled. So now with the central bank and everything, we look what we just did to marriage, Republicans and Democrats alike. You ask those same people about, uh, well, what? Okay, well, how about d- dispensing with the central bank, returning compassion back to the churches? That would not even compute. And we all know it. They, they, For, to, the, to the point that how many of our churches, the conversation I had yesterday about what Newt Gingrich told me, that the number one thing we had to do to avoid a, a new, another civil war was returning power back to the people and state and community governments. But he was concerned that we had waited too long to do this. We were so far gone, so indoctrinated. We wouldn't know how to govern that way even again if we tried, right? right. Okay. So let's expand this to the church. Even if we could agree, if the state said you're right, we shouldn't have done this. And it has been a colossal blunder and failure. Is the church in America even in a position to step collectively, to even step back into the place in the, of, of, of primacy in this area where it belongs? Because I would argue absolutely not. Because the church is all focused on self right now and yeah. it's not focused on other. Yeah. So I think this somewhat dovetails into the section of this chapter that I was interested in. And um, the governments that the, the, the phrase that you just repeated, that's uh, that's in this chapter, government lusting after power in our form of government, as we often say, we are the leaders. We are the leaders here. So often Often, our leadership, the people who we send to represent us, are reflections of us. What does it say about us if our leadership, who then appoint unelected bureaucrats to run our, our, our monetary system, in large part, uh, what does it say about us when we, are, when we are where we are right now? Mm-hmm. They're lusting after something. They envy those who have that power. What does that say about us? Does that say... A little bit about us as well. I don't think it's any mistake that the rise of Marxism in this country is directly correlated with two other factors. The the diminishment or diminishing of the church. The diminishing of the church. And the uh, monetary system going where it is. And that leads me to this portion of the chapter, the origins of wealth inequality. I don't think it's any mistake. I don't think it's any mistake or any uh, coincidence that Bernie Sanders rose to popularity the way that he did. And I wish I would have seen this back then, the, the kind of the way that I, I do now back in 2016, especially. Much like John Oliver on HBO, Bernie Sanders, for the most part, diagnosed a lot of issues correctly, actually, in ways that maybe uh, if we had just if we just taken off the veneer of this old socialist, we probably would have agreed with about, you know, the cronyism, basically. That's what he was diagnosing. 
but much like John Oliver on HBO, the solutions to the problems. Hey, problem, a government isn't doing anything about it. In fact, government created this or incentivized this problem. Let's have more government. That's always the that's always the solution. And they mm-hmm. get into Marxism and money a little bit more in this chapter. But wealth inequality, this is where we must necessarily end up with, with a fiat money system. A fiat money system, a fiat money system encourages envy. It really does, I believe. It encourages envy. And so you start this silly circle of death where I envy this, so I'm going to go into debt to buy that. And then all the while, covetousness as policy. Mm -hmm. All the while, though, as the chapter says, the rich get richer seemingly without doing much of anything. A great example, the book says, of this is the 2008 global financial crisis. Housing prices collapsed. Homeowners couldn't afford their mortgage payments and owed more than the houses were worth. The government bailed out banks and kept them afloat, while homeowners sold for a loss or got foreclosed on. In the meantime, politically connected groups got low-interest loans to purchase these distressed assets. They were able to sell at massive profit a few years later and got even richer. And I don't want to belabor this point, so you can jump in anytime. I, there's a buddy of mine. He and his wife, very well off. I don't know how much money they make, but they are some of the most generous, hardworking people you'll ever meet. And this guy um, got a, a kind of a, a fly in the ointment about, just really got on a hot streak, and still is, about debt and how the church doesn't really speak anything about debt at all. It got to the point. It got to the point where he left the church that he went to because he felt like the leaders there were taking out mortgages on houses they, did, they didn't need. And, and a lot of the people there had no concept of, of debt and how this is terrible. And I'm like, my dude, you're a generous guy. But you have to have a little bit of um, a compassion. Because as we st- talked about earlier, earlier uh, in this book series, we're all born into this immoral system so yeah do we have an envy covetousness problem even amongst the church probably do we need the homes that we have maybe not all of the homes that we have maybe not is it possible for 99 percent of people to buy homes without taking out of out a mortgage um no is that right is, is taking out a mortgage, is, is that dynamic, right? No. So this concept of wealth inequality, anytime you hear this being bandied about by a Bernie Sanders type or, or what have you, it is a necessary conclusion of a fiat money system. And it encourages and perpetuates envy, and as you put it, Steve, covetousness as a policy. It's no wonder we are where we are right now. When you take it and look at it from that vantage point, it is absolutely not sustainable. 
one more thing I want to highlight in this chapter, but this is a good opportunity for me to remind you before you get into the real estate market during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure you line up with a real estate agent that shares your values and has a proven track record of success to help guide you to a successful finish line. You might think, how would I find that person? Well, we made it as simple for you as possible. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. We vet every agent before we list them there. And that's why we've got a list of agents waiting to be listed there uh, because we don't just take anybody. We make sure they have a full-time proven track record of success and that we trust that track record before we entrust them to you. So uh, the process is simple. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today, provide us with some basic info, and then our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Government control over the money supply has many consequences. Here's a few. Governments are not constrained by their own tax revenue. Governments can spend more than they earn, and unsurprisingly, most have racked up a lot of debt. Similarly, governments don't care much about the cost of things. Consequently, nearly every industry tries to sell to the government in one way or the other. Usually this is done through some new government program that favors a particular industry. For example, in the United States, pharmaceutical companies have benefited from Medicare Part D and, Part D, and universities have benefited from student loan programs. Governments act to preserve politically connected companies and industries, even if these industries are outdated and no longer competitive. Generally, this takes the form of bailouts or the nationalization of certain industries, particularly banks and insurance companies. Newly printed money is used to prop up companies that would normally go bankrupt. In other words, there is a strong bias towards preserving the status quo and protecting those in power. This is what you saw with TARP. When they said that some of these lending entities were too big to fail, what they really meant, remember at the time you heard the terms soft money and, and, and hard money? Hard money is what the, the law limits you can donate to a candidate individually. Soft money is there was no limit on what you could donate to a political party. And then the political party would then funnel that to its candidates from you. Okay? Um, when they said those, those, those lending entities were too big to fail, what they really meant was we get big soft money donations from those entities and the Republicans and Democrats are too big to fail. And so we're going to print more money past that inflation onto you to bail them out so they can then in turn turn around and continue with the massive donations they're making to each of us. That is what he is describing right there. Yeah, there's an entire segment of society that's always playing with house money, and you never are. And as long as that's the case, even the money then you have it's, that it's is a, yours is worth less. It's a big club, and we ain't in it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and then yeah. It, this this is when I talked about public sector unions about uh, last week. It also has to do with when the government decides you're out of line to the point that they are going to bring legal action against you, which is becoming more and more common on several fronts again. They aren't foot you you're footing the bill for them to sue you and you're footing your own bill to defend yourself. The, the, the point being the morality of money it, that started with money and how we were bamboozled on that fund has now been transferred to every principality because it worked because we allowed it to happen. We did not say here and no further at that point. 
And because we didn't then, and then again, and then again, we've lost our ability to think it's even possible. But that goes to Aaron's point. I know. Who, who, can, who can say here and no further? None of us can afford to. No. See, Th- here's, here's where know. we are. In order to operate in a moral system in this country, it is possible. It is possible to be economically moral, fiscally moral in this system. You just have to have a ton, a crap ton of money. Yes, you just have and to. It have has a, to be liquid. And most and it has to be liquid. Yeah. Most of us are down zero to nothing yeah. in the bottom of the ninth, and we're batting ninth. That's yes. My okay. Point. We are. We, there's. There's basically no shot for us to not go into debt on at some level for most of us. Correct. Treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none dare calls it treason. All of us now have a suckling spot on the teat. All of us do. Now th- this is a matrix level system that we are hooked up to here. I can't remember the last time, other than the Bible, when I've been this personally exposed by a book. Wow. You, may, you need to make sure, is it Jimmy Song? Is that who wrote this? Well, many did, but he's the one we yeah, had on the show. Yeah, but he's the one that yeah. kind of compiled it. You make sure you send him a note and tell him that uh, this book wrecked you at that level. I think he would take it as a compliment. But the, the, the timing of which of us talking about it, I think, has a lot to do with it as well. On the heels of everything that we have been through as a people uh, that has brought all of these matters to light beyond theoretical calculations and very practical now consequences that all of us are feeling to, to some extent, how, how would we without, first of all, how could we get independently wealthy without to, to, without benefiting from this immoral system right. at all. Right. How, how yeah. would you acquire that wealth exactly without right. benefiting from this immoral system at all, number one? And then if you manage to do that, that's what it would take to actually morally, perfectly exempt yourself from participating in this shell game, right? Yes. And so, and then in the end, th- this, by the way, is why there's no voting constituency for fiscally conservative and socially liberal very few people can truly afford to be fiscally conservative all right we are in a negative savings era with the average american household okay i mean it's just not practical with what they have done in terms of taxation interest uh inflation that's on purpose and that is on purpose because now you're under control Three non-political questions are next. Dog owners out there, did you know that chances are the food you have bought your beloved pet at the store has been stripped of a lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, good nutrition that your health need or your pet needs the most for good health? And that was done at the factory before it ever left to head out for mass distribution for the same reasons they do that to a lot of the people food that we eat. Mass distribution. That's why we take so many supplements these days. And now, thankfully, there is one for your pets. It is called Rough Green. It's a supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food to put back into your pet's diet all the good stuff that was likely taken out. Now, you might be wondering, though, what, you, guys were just, you guys just did a 20-minute economic meltdown conversation. Now you want me to pick up an expense for a product I've never tried. That's, hey, that's a good objection. And so here's our answer. We give you the first 14-day Jumpstart back for free. See if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. If, if, if your pet's energy level, health level, attitude, 
it makes no difference at all, then by all means, don't buy it again. Not going to buy it the first time. We will ask you to put in a few bucks for shipping because we think if we gave you the whole thing for free, you'd be more inclined not to try it at all. All right. So if you want to try the first 14 day jumpstart bag for free, you pay for the shipping, but we pick up the bigger expense. Go to roughgreens.com, R U F F, roughgreens.com. And again, they spell it R U F F for rough greens. Or you can call them at 833 Rough Dog. That's 833 Rough Dog. Let's get to three non political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Yes, I actually remembered this week. I was just joking last week. I actually had questions ready to go. I just gotta, just gotta continue that shtick. Three hopefully good non-political questions. Two of them are uh, sports-related. One delves a little closer to uh, politics, so just heads up on that. Number one: What are your NFL TV network theme song power ratings? So there are about five that I can think of, unless I'm missing one. Okay. Okay. For me, number five, NFL Network. It's pretty generic. It sounds like most of the Sam Spence stuff of the 60s. Um, number four, NFL on Fox. I've never really been a huge fan of that theme song. That one? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, this one I had lower just to make sure it's not recency bias, but the Thursday Night Football on Prime theme song is excellent. See, I've never heard it. Because I keep remembering that the game is on Amazon Prime like three plays into the game. And yeah. so I never see it at the beginning because I, I, I keep turning on NFL Network and it's mm-hmm. like, where is the game? Oh, yeah, it's on Prime. Okay, so yeah. I, I've, not, I've never even heard it. But it's really, really cool. It's like all of the other theme songs combined plus a little Avengers uh, energy. Uh, number two, NFL on CBS. It's just it's got a special place in my heart. Kansas City Chiefs fan. Most of their games were on CBS growing up. And then Monday Night Football is number one for me. I mean, Monday Night Football is iconic, okay? But, and I mean, th- I think that has to, that's amongst the greatest TV themes of all time. Monday Night Football, are we talking like the actual theme or the Hank Williams Jr. song? No, the actual theme, okay. but I like that one I mean, too. the Hank Williams Jr. Yeah. song, which is actually not, it, it's a separate song, but it, the song itself is great. But the, I thought you were talking about the theme. Yeah, I mean, the theme for Monday Night Football is iconic. But I have to go, and this is, this is, this is going to be before your time, but... I mean... Oh, I forgot about Sunday Night Football. That's number two for me. I totally I've, forgot about I've Sunday Night I've got to go football. with the NFL today. Do you remember that one? Of course. When we were kids. Musburger and Jimmy the Greek, right? Irv Cross. I mean, I, I, that theme was, was pretty lit. So I agree with you that Monday Night Football's original theme has to be number one. And... But I would give uh, the NFL today on CBS, I, the pregame uh, one, that would be my number two. And I think after that, it's very debatable. Yeah. Well, totally second, forgot about Sunday Night Football, I'll by second the way. That's NFL today. That's, and that's all we needed, and that's all we deserved. Those were better days. You got a half hour beforehand, sum it all up. Beautiful. Now we just talk endlessly and don't know what a catch is. Well done, everyone. You guys, I asked for a power rating, and you both went with something from I haven't like even heard seventy-five years ago. Two Thank of you very those. Much. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you're a young whippersnapper. Uh, This one, do you agree with Jordan Peterson? He had something on uh, Twitter the other day. That online anonymity encourages psychopathy, or do you believe that anonymous trolls are a necessary evil of protecting certain individuals' identity online? Let's say you have a whistleblower or something, a leaker, or uh, somebody like ethical skeptic who who knows what they he or she does for a living that could be just completely nuked if they went uh, if they went and, and revealed their identity. You want to take this one first. The answer is yes. You agree with Jordan? Oh, I agree. With, uh, Jordan uh, is is absolutely right. It there's zero accountability. They, they they say and do things they would never ever do on 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 any level. Uh, it's it's pure cowardice. Uh, but the fact that anonymity, uh, i.e., voting, is um, crucial and important in some areas, I don't think it's crucial and important and i'd have um i really wouldn't fight it being removed from twitter for example but here's like how how do you if you don't make either you make a blanket statement and and and, uh eliminate them and take everything that comes with it or you try to parse it in the way aaron talked about the distinction being who's an anonymous participant versus a troll i mean i think we can on the polls we can tell the difference between the two but then we get closer and closer into the some of the controversial issues and one man's just noble participant is another man's troll i don't it's very frustrating because jordan peterson is undeniably right about they a lot of these people are are poisoning the entire culture through their behavior. I thought you would give that answer, which is why I wanted you to go first. I disagree uh, with Jordan. I love the fact, though, that he is forcing this argument. I love the fact that he is asking these sort of questions and forcing these kinds of debates because um, uh, they make people uncomfortable and we're way too comfortable. So I, I like the fact that he is saying things like this, but I, I don't agree because of the the rate of reprisal that exists in our current society right now is absolutely over the top, and I I, I would I would I will take the trade off of ethical skeptic being able to destroy the government's data before most of us even see it over the kinds of trolls that you are talking about. And I also think that Musk has provided a middle option to deal with this in making blue checkmark registration available to all for a fee. Because along with that transaction would come a record of what? Who the transactor is, Mm -hmm. correct? And so if someone does commit the kinds of acts that you're talking about, there's an accountability mechanism that is now built into that. You can create settings where you make the decision, I'm only going to respond to people now that have a blue check mark. Where at that point, 
you know, I think Whitlock might I, either said he was going to do this or is doing it. I remember when they introduced this, he's just going to just from now on only respond to people with the blue check marks. I don't know if he's put it in place or not, but I saw him talking about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, where now there is some form of accountability where if something were to become threatening or th- anything with that nature, then you, you would be able to track that person down. But given the level of cancel that we are dealing with, um, I will at this time in our societal devolution take the trade-off of letting people speak freely without reprisal over the knuckle-dragging dregs that you just defined. That's a trade-off right now. That's not maybe permanent, but right now, that is a trade-off I will take. Aaron, you're the rubber vote. What do you think? I think the argument could also be made that forcing people to expose themselves, forcing people to uh, expose their identity, I'm sorry, that's there's a big difference there. Forcing people to expose their identity. Um, little Timmy uh, down the street who harasses Todd's daughters doesn't get to do that anonymously anymore. You see what I mean? Uh, I see what I, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All of that is outed if it, if it even happens at all. I think forcing true identity on Twitter um, would cut down on that type of behavior. Now, is that worth the trade-off of, well, this also means that uh, the ethical skeptics don't actually get to disseminate their data? Not sure about that. I think it really, I think the argument at a local level where you have people who are in this community who know you somehow, um, but are just taking pot shots like the coward that they are um, behind a fake identity. Does that trade off? I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, cause I, I I'm trying to think through this out. Cause I haven't, I wanted to hear what you guys had to say. Cause I don't know, but I'd like to see, I, I would like to see what that would be like. That everybody is forced to identify themselves. So I'll go with the latter. All right, guys, we've got seven minutes to spend on this question. Another uh, NFL-related question. What is your dark horse Super Bowl winner? Not named the Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, or Bengals. And give a couple of reasons why. You put the Vikings in there, despite the fact, aren't they the number one seed in the NFC right now? Nope, I just took the top six in the Vegas odds. Okay. Then I, I guess if you're going to give me the Vikings as a dark horse, I'll take them, I guess. I would not. What's that? I would not. Uh, well, that's why it's a dark horse. I mean, you gave me the, 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 you took the six best teams. Mm-hmm. So I'll, 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 I guess I'll take the, the value on the team that right now has the best record. And... um. I mean, I wouldn't bet them to win the Super Bowl either. I haven't. But if you're asking me of what's left over, I would take them. And the reason I would take them is they have a couple of guys in a watered in a in a watered down parody driven league. They have they have multiple players who can make a play that wins a football game in that receiver and that running back, and. Chargers, Chargers were your preseason pick, weren't they? Yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs now. They were, yes, my, the, the Chargers and Packers were my preseason pick, and I don't think either one of them will make the playoffs. Yeah. 
Ravens. Don't like them. I don't know what Lamar Jackson's situation is. Yeah. They're nothing without him. He's the whole team. Rest of the team's okay. Ravens are the new Packers. Rest of the team's okay. Then they have Lamar Jackson. Rest of the team's okay. Then they got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Ravens are the new Packers. They're okay. I mean, they don't have like a, def- they're not, the rest of the roster is not insulting and, you know, they're, you know, it, it's, it, it, but it's okay. It's a bunch of okay guys, pretty good guys. Lamar Jackson's the difference maker. That's what the Packers were for many years. Um, so I, I think I'll go with the Vikings because you're giving me a top five running back and a top five wide receiver that in a season where a lot of games are being won, like, you know, 24, 20, those are two players and they have, they have more than one of them that can make a play that wins that game for you. So I guess I'd go with that. Uh, I'll try the giants. They're, uh, had a uh, exceeded expectations as has that entire division. I think uh, those, uh, you know, they've all gotten better together because of each other. And I think what you had the Eagles and the Cowboys up there, right? Yep. In that top six. Well, right outside there. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't bet on them either, but I'll say the Giants. I'm, uh, I think the Chargers are a type of team that could get hot, but they have not shown me anything. So give me, give me Tua and Tyreek in Miami. I mean, that, that, well, that's have the same du- argument I'm making with the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have a duo like that, that can just, and I mean, Completely they've got agree. Jalen Waddle as well. So they've got yeah. weapons that, that can keep them in games. I mean, I, you can say that the heat played a big favor on beating the bills and that's true. I think that's pretty patently, obviously true, but you give me a couple of offensive weapons like this on the outside that can at least keep you in games. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a good outside uh, outside bet. What are they right now? They are 20 to 1. 20 to 1. That's the same argument I just made with the Vikings, you poo-pooed. Same yeah. exact argument. Here's the thing, though. In most of these games with the Vikings, the reason why they have lower odds than the Dolphins ranked higher is because they have a, a, a little bit better record than the Dolphins do. Mm-hmm. Um, so their path to getting to the playoffs is mathematically easier. Um, most of the time, I mean, your Detroit Lions are favored. Um, this yeah, weekend. and that's analytics. And a few it's weeks because ago, the Vikings have won a, a bunch few, of games where a, they lost the stats. A few weeks yeah. ago, after that big comeback, amazing game versus the Bills that the, the Vikings won, yep. they came back home and they were underdogs to the Cowboys and got completely rolled. I just don't trust them. That's all. Yeah. Particularly. Um, I think what the world needs is a Vikings-Bills Super Bowl. Someone has to win. I think I think that's really what the world needs is a Vikings Bills Super Bowl the two most postseason cursed franchises in NFL history and then someone has to win it the team that lost four Super Bowls in a decade and a team that lost four Super Bowls in a row okay Uh, someone has to win it can't end in a tie okay put those two in a Super Bowl and let's see what happens I like it uh, our friends over at Eden Pure have gotten some rave reviews from a lot of you in our audience with their thunderstorm air purifier that uses proven oxy technology that destroys viruses, odors, mold, and so much more. They're filterless, so you won't be spending money out of pocket after you purchase these, not to mention the labor as well of, of replacing the filters. You will never have to do these with 
the Thunderstorm air purifier from Eden Pure. If you want to pick it up and find out why it has gotten so many rave reviews from fellow members of the audience, right now you can start enjoying fresher air in your home on multiple levels or maybe you want to have one in your home and one in your office you can do that too they come in packs of three you can get all three units for under 200 bucks right now they come in packs of three and you can get all three units right now for under 200 bucks with free shipping with free shipping when you use the code steve3 at edenpuredeals.com use the code steve3 at edenpuredeals.com Final thought before we get out of here. That was fun. Talked a little sports. Got our minds off of the uh, impending demise. That's that's what we're supposed to do on three non-political questions. That, that's why we do it once a week. It's really to give us a break more than anything else. All right, we're going to stick around record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck right here on Blaze TV. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.